We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I don't need to be hearing about your wife's cervix right now, okay? And my name is Colin Drucker, and we're in a days in in Buffalo. How depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Wendy Savage. Truly one of my favorite movie characters of all time. I can't tell you how much I laughed during this movie, which is a strange thing to say considering the circumstances. You know, we did just last week have the third annual Westons. And so, you know, the... The, the board is cleared, you know, at this point, yes. you know, it's all about, okay, officially, who is potentially going to be seen at the fourth annual Westons? And we may already have a potential best supporting sister in Laura Linney's yes. Wendy Savage. Oh, my God. I mean, I could fill all the, the brackets, really. I mean, uh, assistant to the BSA, Jimmy the Nurse, or maybe best featured ensemble. Oh, absolutely. Queen Philip Bosco, if we already have, I mean, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is already a queen, really. And we don't have a brother category, but maybe it's the year of the brother. Who knows? So right? we'll see. We will see. And, and some faves who popped up in small roles as well that I was really happy about. So this was, yeah. I got to say, you know, we have we've bandied about uh, doing the savages. And by the way, in case you just have no idea what's going on right now. Today, we're <laughs> talking about 2000s The Savages starring two queens and Laura Linney, which is, you know, the best you know, hand of cards you can have as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, but you know, we've talked about it for a while is kind of like, oh God, the savages. It's just like the epitome of like a gray day in Buffalo in the winter. And so mm-hmm. we were like, well, you know, maybe when it's seasonal and appropriate, we'll do the savages and we'll really just like hunker into this like cold bowl of soup of a movie. And I and I had seen it once before, and my memory was like, Yeah, it was definitely not a feel-good movie. But I I have to say on second watch and maybe at a later stage in my life, I really appreciated the savages. Yeah. I think it, obviously this is uh, the same year that away from her came out. And I talk about a double feature, Mm. like that's the double feature that we need. And I, cause it tackles that like just shit time in anyone's life, like surrounding death, surrounding your parents, being in nursing homes, surrounding your, you know, your longtime wife being in a nursing home and just kind of, and both of them are, kind of dementia slash Alzheimer's. So it's it's tough subject matter. But what I what I really do love about the savages specifically is that I think it's really well balanced with all of the humor. And a lot of it comes from Laura Linney, which I love. And this might be our first real deep dive about Laura Linney. She's one of those actresses, you know, she's like an Annette Benning, uh, you know, and and all those other sort of Oscar ladies that we love that 
never have won, but have, you know, obviously are a household name, at least in this house. <laughs> oh, sure. At least in, in, in these conjoined, this conjoined two family house. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I'm glad you brought up away from her because I had the same feeling. I was like, wow, talk about a double feature. This is basically yeah. away from him. And so, but <laughs> yes. I would, I, but I guess the question is the first, you know, first point is which do you watch first away from her or the savages? Oh man. I mean, I think, a, uh, I think it has to be away from her because this is a nice palate cleanser. You'll, yeah. and you'll leave the, the double feature. You'll want to stay awake for it. You know, if it's at the drive-in, but I think away from her is just, Oh God, it's heavy. It's heavier than this. Heavier snow. <laughs> yes, it, it it really is. Like it depends on on what state you want to leave the theater in. Do you want to be crying or do you want to be like just exuberant? Because you know, not to jump to the end all the way at the beginning, but like the the euphoria that the end of this movie gave me the sense of just the rush. I was just like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know it was so cute. <laughs> I totally forgot about the last like two minutes of this movie too. So that was, I want to talk about, I mean, we'll get to it, but I want to talk about the logistics of that agreement because I feel like there's some, that's a bold favor to ask, but I love that it turned out that way, but you know, I'm being mysterious, but we'll talk about it later. Yeah. I think we'll, 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 call this a deep tease but you yes. know well on the topic of laura linney who i think you're right we can double check but i'm pretty sure we've somehow in all of our time uh doing this podcast you know our 200 episodes 200 plus really yeah. um we have not really ever talked about laura linney who has been nominated for three academy awards including for this movie and uh actress in a leading role and then she was also nominated in 2001 for you can count on me which I remember hmm. seeing probably at some point in college. And I feel like that's another one of those movies that I probably would, I, I will appreciate more as an older person. Cause I think that's also about like adult siblings. Do you know that movie? Gotcha. I don't. Uh, I remember that title, maybe just from my like, you know, early cataloging of Oscar nominees, you know, um, sure. but I, I, I can't tell you anything about it. Well, it's from 2000, which is a weird year, okay. uh, yeah. and it's the the synopsis on IMDb, because, you know, why reinvent the wheel? A single mother's life is thrown into turmoil after her struggling, rarely seen younger brother returns to town. Oh. And the cast includes Laura Linney, Matthew Broderick, and oh. Amy Ryan, who we love from Gone Baby Gone. We do love Amy. And she was that this is also the year of Gone Baby Gone, correct? This I think year, I looked that up. 2007. Yes, this was also the year yeah. of Gone Baby Gone, which was uh, 2007. This is also the year I graduated college. Uh, and my whole life started in New York. You know, this was a big year for all of us. Wow. Um, yeah, big year. Um, but also, <laughs> you know, speaking of Laura Linney, she was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress in 2005's Kinsey, which feels like and don't tell me oh it that it feels like one of those movies that like you're like oh yeah i've seen that five times every once in a while you surprise me and you're like oh yeah i know that movie but i don't know <laughs> do you know kinsey uh no i know kinsey but i haven't seen it and i feel like that is someone's best supporting actor oscar what's his nuts uh who was in moulin rouge and oh, um you and mcgregor uh, not Ewan McGregor, who played Ziddler. Um, looking him up right now. 
Um, maybe I'm getting my wires crossed. I think I so. I might be, actually. Because that was Jim Broadbent, right? Yep. The older I'm guy? thinking, yeah. what did Jim Broadbent win for? I'm, I'm really throwing it all out on the line here. Yeah. But let me now see. You're, oh, Looking I don't know. Iris? Yes, it was. Yes, wow. Yes, yes, thank you. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you just reach your hand to the cupboard, and you don't know what you're going to pull out. Yes. So that is... I'm glad we got there, though. Yeah, I don't acknowledge. We just won a Toyota Camry on twenty-five thousand dollars pyramid. <laughs> yes, exactly. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did we even get there? We were talking about Laura oh Lee. the Oscars and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that. You, so you have not seen Kinsey. That's not one. Of those I have movies, not. No, but, but it's like, it's intriguing to me. Uh, it's a it's a interesting concept, to be honest. I think you get to see. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard naked in that. So, I mean, listen, I'm already throwing Color of Night at you. Put it on the list. All-star cast for that movie. Julianne Nicholson is in that movie. Yeah, my Ryan. Yeah, that's a great cast. Dylan Baker, Tim Curry, John Lithgow. This is insane. Veronica Cartwright, who I love. Ugh. Yeah, wow. John Krasinski. Uh, oh, wasn't she okay. uh, this Dagmara Dominchik? Wasn't she the one in the Lost Daughter? Who? How can you resist a hold? How can you hold <gasps> a piece of cake and not eat it? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, I think we're right. About to do Kinsey. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. Whoa! I hit wow. an ad on IMDb. <laughs> it's a Patrick Wilson movie. Ugh. He's so unbelievable. Hot. Anyway. You know. <sighs> so anyway. yeah, maybe Kinsey's on the short list because of this. I like that though. Yeah, from two thousand four. Who remembers two thousand four? I know. That's the year I graduated high school, I think. Yes. Wow. That was Crazy. a big year for you. Big year. It was. Yeah. Um well, uh the Savages, which you know, speaking of movies where I'm like, Oh, I didn't know you knew that movie or something. That that this is a perfect example of like, oh, you know the savages? You like the savages? Like, I was surprised. Yeah. I own it on DVD. I, I busted it out. Insane. I know. I think it was one of those things where I, I mean, who knows where I was around this time in my life, but I feel like I knew, I liked both of these actors for sure, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Laura Linney, and I didn't have as much of an appreciation for Philip Bosco, but I can't wait to talk about him. Um I knew it had like Oscar buzz, I guess. So I I just bought it on a whim at like Barnes and Noble or something and took it home and I loved it. I I've seen it probably close to 5 times, I think, over the years, but it has been a wow. while. Wow. Yeah. My mind is I mean the fact that you own it on DVD, I almost have to I need to sit down. I'm like, "Whoa." <laughs> yes. Whoa. But it's so good. I was laughing so hard. I just think it's a a really it's a great script. I think again, I like love Wendy Savage as the character. I think Laura Linney. It's it's interesting that she's the only one that was nominated from this because I totally think Philip Bosco should have got a supporting actor nod. It's very much like an Alan Arkin sort of role. Yes. And I think he's great in this, and so is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like they make the movie even better. Like it just elevates it all around, and I just think it's such interesting subject matter to talk about putting your abusive father into a nursing home and trying to care for him and really kind of navigating sibling relationships. I, it's just like everything I'd want. I mean, I feel like, you know, I, I, whenever I, I mean this, I, I looked when this came out and it was probably at some point, like my, my first year in New York. And I probably 
you know, saw the trailer at some point and thought, oh, this looks like my kind of movie. And then I went to go see it, maybe alone, maybe with friends. And I feel like at the time it it wasn't like I wanted it to be, I don't know, more of a Little Miss Sunshine. Like I wanted more of a quirk to it. And it was just like heavier. And this is me at the time, not me now. This is me then. Sure. So, uh you know, so I kind of like remember finishing it being like, oh, okay, that was um, not as fun or as I was hoping it was going to be. And I feel like now, especially like basically being the same age as Wendy Savage, I think she's 39 in this movie mm-hmm. or 38, actually. I and not necessarily like navigating the same like journey with my own parents but like having now watched my mom go through all of this with her parents yeah um like all of that has happened like the 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 decline and demise for lack of a better term of both of my grandparents happened in between the first time i saw this movie and this time and so i feel like and now i'm also like of the age of these kids of these these adults uh who are like Picking up the reins, who are taking up the yeah. responsibility, and not just that, but taking the reins and the responsibility of somebody who they let the the rope go with a long time ago. It was like, oh, wow, this is hitting so many more nerves than it hit for me, you know, in 2008. Like, this is, I mean, it was very funny, but also, like, it really stirred up a lot of feelings of, like, oh, my God. This is such a fucking inevitability. Like, it may not be as miserable, but I am going to basically be John or Wendy Savage one day. <laughs> yes. There's so much of me that I, I want to be maybe somewhere in between them. But I know I'm already Wendy. Like, I already know I'm going right. to be searching for the pillow, the big red pillow, like, and just <laughs> right. projecting with a capital P of, like, what, you know, my dad or my mom might, might want. But it is. It's like it makes you think about the future. And, it's, you know, we're right on that brink of beginning to have that sort of mindset about what our parents are going to be like when they're at this state are because I feel like we said this before too. either you have your body or your mind and you don't have the luxury of having both I think that's a rarity that you can mm. still be like sharp as a tack and still able to like move around too and or you're just you just you know your brain sort of deteriorates but and your body is kind of fine at the same time and neither is a good option and you have to be ready at any time for this to happen and uh, it's and heavy. It, it's yeah. heavy. And it's so, and there's like such a, you know, I think they really illustrate it well in the difference between what Wendy sees from that promotional video and the brochures about the, you know, the other place that they want, she wants to send their father to. And then when John is like, all of that, all the landscaping, that's for us. Because once you yeah. get inside, it's the same shithole as anywhere else, you know? And I'm sure. I love and, that monologue. Oh, it's incredible. That. And I felt like, um, that I mean, I think there's certainly varying degrees of nursing homes, and there are some real dumps and some that are a lot nicer. But I think what he's talking about, and I think the truth of it is like, regardless of how nice the wallpaper is or how much they manage the smell or whatever decorations or lighting they have, it's still the like miserable experience of, you know, convalescence, you know, and 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 deterioration. And it's not assisted living it's not like oh you know single floor units and you know community centers and all that it's like no this is 
this is, you know, progressing towards hospice and out of necessity. And it's like, I don't know that you got to pay a lot of money to make it cushy. And even then it's still the awful experience of like, you know, facing the end of your life. It's, it's, it's and, and being the adult child who's then having to take the responsibility. And like, I look at how much my mother like struggled with that. And, you know, how much she'd said to me, like, my God, like, don't ever let me be like my mother. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it, it's too late for that. Because if I said to my mother now, you're being a lot like your mother, it'd be over. Like, yes. I know it's not going to be easy. I know it because this woman is stubborn as a mule. And you know how I know? Because I inherited it from her. <laughs> I know. It's so... And my parents have already said the same thing because they, my, you know, my grandma, my dad's mom... Uh, went through all of this and like I only have one grandparent left it's my my grandma on my mom's side and caregiving is a fucking hard job to do it yourself like it is like my mom she's retiring at the end of the year which is wonderful oh wow but um yeah so congrats Deb um but I also I my grandma lives next door so it's really nice because my grandma has you know security of knowing that someone's close by but my mom's exhausted you know and and Mm -hmm. it's like I remember talking with Kian about this because in Lebanon and maybe other countries too, like there, there are no nursing homes. There's not retirement communities. You, your, your parents live with you. You mm-hmm. take them back in. And that is also, I think of Wendy eating that tuna melt. He's like, what do you have going on? She's like, like my life. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. She's like, like my life. And she's like, she has like a mouthful of tuna, but it's true. It's like you, you want like it's a about the time that you do retire that this shit starts it's mm-hmm. like you never get a break and it's not it's as much of a burden as, as as it isn't a burden i guess too because it's like you and it also depends on your relationship with that parent too which complicates everything and why this is such like rich storytelling in my opinion because it's like he this guy was an asshole but you feel for him because you like Philip Bosco, that is like the father, because you're only meeting him now. And he seems he seems like a lot, but he's also like he doesn't know what's going on either. Well, yeah. And I think that that and that's a I think that's a huge part of this and a huge part of like so many people's experiences. And I saw this happen with my mom, with my grandmother, where it's like and in different ways where, for example, in this movie, like who Lenny was in their childhood. And clearly, you know, we get hints that he was, you know, emotionally abusive verbally abusive physically abusive like he's not a good guy and their mother you know is is long out of the scene but all of the like the monster for you know that lenny was in their childhood it's like that he's he's now kind of helpless and he's still a jerk but he's helpless and kind of powerless now and i feel like that that thing that happens where like, I mean, I, you know, you, often it's like, you know, the, who my grandmother used to be like the, the woman that my mother felt had like a really good relationship with that deteriorated as my grandmother's mind deteriorated and the dementia took over. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it gets to the point where sometimes my, my grandmother's a jerk to her. Sometimes my grandmother has no idea who she is. Sometimes it's good. And it's like, you, you have to disconnect who they are now from who they were then and for my mom, that was really hard because it's like she's not the same woman that I loved and like had a connection with for years. Yeah. And I think in this case, it's like 
he's not really the same monster who we've hated and and run away from for years. He's this helpless old man that needs us. And it's like, how do you let go of of who he used to be to take care of who he is now? And I think that's like, I don't know. I mean, having a, a distant relationship with my father myself, there's a part of me that's like, would I? Like, would I go down to Florida and take care of my father? I mean... Talk to Deborah Monk. I, I would. I, if, if, if it involves talking to Deborah Monk, I'm on my way. Oh my God. Nancy and her husband with that big belly. I was like, this is so perfect. Again, yeah. there's just like so much of this movie that I just think is, and you know, we got Margot Martindale later as well. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's, there's so much complexity to that too, because in a way, I feel like if I, I don't know what I would want, like what I want my mom or dad to still be cognizant and aware of their surroundings, but just in so much pain and watch their body debilitate and, or would it be easier for both of us, for them to just like slowly disappear? I think it would be hard for both of us, but they won't know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's harder on the P- I think like going back to that monologue, he's like, it's a fucking horror show. Like when he's screaming in the parking lot, but mm-hmm. it is like, I remember visiting my grandfather and my grandma when, like when they were both in nursing homes and it truly does feel like the walking dead, like people are grabbing onto you as you walk down the hall. And I was like 10, I was like, this is terrifying. It's not pretty. And it no. smells like <laughs> Wendy's oh line. God. Yeah. Wendy's line. And she's like, does it smell? And he is like, yes, Wendy, they all smell. And she's like, Oh, <laughs> They do. Like it's it's always just like it it's that diaper smell. And it's, it's just, specific, yes. Yeah. And it it just is what it is, you know? And I you know, I mean I I've always said, you know, I if I if I get to that point, if it gets to the point that I can't take care of myself, just draw a bath, close the door, and let me sink. I just yeah. I am not doing this. I'm yes, not doing I this. I don't I, care. I'm not doing it. <laughs> don't make me. Yeah, you're like Marilyn Burns at the dinner table, just screaming. <laughs> yeah, you've got to make them stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And you know what? It's interesting. There's two things to say to this because I, I think I I wrote another note down to talk about this, but like the first thing being. I think I saw a TikTok about how this woman who's like in her 60s and she's talking about how her mother, like, it's just one of those people interviewing people on the streets. And it was, she was so articulate and like really well spoken about like her mother having Alzheimer's and how it's just like, it's the worst. And um, I, she said she wishes that there was such thing as like, you know, moral euthanasia, I guess, like where like she, but it's, it's not legal for obvious reasons too. And like the interviewer was like well wouldn't you miss your mom like wouldn't she like because she would be gone and she's like she's already gone she's Mm -hmm. already gone like Mm -hmm. she she died to me already because she's not her anymore and she doesn't remember me and she's just like kind of living and like what is what is the point of that like I and I I agree to some extent too especially when you are she's either living with you or you just have to keep like visiting her and it just gets to that point it's like speaking like that certain floor and away from her where it's like all right mm. mm-hmm. this is you're done now this is like where you go to pass and that's incredibly sad but my other thing that i wanted to talk about too is there was this um 
another TikTok, of course, about how, you know, a lot of millennials are not having kids and a lot of gay people traditionally, I'd say for the most part, don't have kids. And a lot of people say, like, who's going to take care of you when you're older, too? But a lot of people die alone. And a lot of people like I think they were interviewing people that work in nursing homes and stuff like that. And like 60 percent of patients don't have family come to visit them, even if they have kids. Mm. So it's not like. I mean, all of that sounds super grim anyway, but like, I kind of agree of like, I'm not going to have kids and I don't know what the future is going to hold to. And I, I feel like I'm just going to like round like you and everyone else that's close to me and list like, we're all going to live in a big house and we're all going to care for each other until we all perish. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it's just because what else are we going to do? Like all the childless people of the world are just going to unite, I feel, because the alternative is having a shit ton of money, like you said, to be comfortable enough to pay for something like that because it's expensive it's mm-hmm. it's rough well and i think i mean so so much that i, I certainly that's something yeah to think that was about. a lot to say no 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 but like <laughs> i think you know the the side note is like when i was thinking about like recording this episode today i was like yeah we're definitely gonna get into like the plot and the characters and whatnot but i was like i think this is gonna ha- this is gonna bring up so many just topics because yeah it's juicy i it's, love it yeah there's just so much about this movie that was like uh, what I took away from it was certainly the movie itself, but also all of the like stuff it brought up for me. And like, for example, I mean, yeah, I'm not having kids. I like mm-hmm. I for a number of reasons, one of them being like, why the hell would I bring a child into this world? And like, yeah. no offense to anybody who's, you know, second trimester rubbing the belly, listen to a podcast right now. God bless you. I just don't. It's it's more of like the level of anxiety that I would live with that entire, that child's entire life. Yeah. I mean, that would, that would take me out. I wouldn't even need to be, you know, euthanized. I would just, one day my heart would be like, I just can't take it anymore. You just can't live with this much anxiety. (laughs) The kid's 40. I just, we're done. You know, you're like Um, Sonia Morgan. You're like, I've reached my limit. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, exactly. And I just, uh, and, but, so I'm, you know, I'm not gonna have kids, and I certainly, I mean, you know, it's all gonna work itself out like everything does. But you know, there's those moments where you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm 38, I'm single, and I don't have any kids, and who I got, you know, uh, you know, we're not getting any younger here, sweetheart, you know, and it's just like yeah, yeah. that sense of like it is, and and I'm sure, you know, there's so many gay men, you know, in this city, in Astoria right now. You know, just to be local about it, it, my worst nightmare of like, am I going to just be one of those old gay men who's just in the same old, you know, walk up apartment he's been in, you know, for skating eight years, just mm-hmm. like disappearing into the woodwork, you know, and like, it, it's a really scary thought because the system of like, oh, your kids are going to take care of you or whatever, like there's no, in this relay race, there's no one for me to hand the baton to. And yeah. that's, yeah, that's really scary. And I mean, like, I think, and I feel like, you know, there's there's bits of this here and there, but I feel like it's certainly a, a subject of, like, gay retirement homes and, like, retirement, yeah. like, yeah. communities kind of focused on supporting this community that, like, traditionally doesn't have a family that's looking after them um, or even often spouses looking after them. And I feel like you know, the joke of like moving to Palm Springs. It's like, that's exactly what I'm going to fucking do. It's like, yes, yes. Cause yes. it's like that, you know, it, it's, if you're like an older single gay man, it's like, well, I, 
that seems like a safe haven. It seems better than than moving to, you know, uh, I don't know, the middle of Houston. I don't know, for yeah. example, you know? Sure. Yeah, I think I, I used to, you know, Arizona is always seems like the butt of a joke when it comes to retirement. But I got to tell you, all those, like, I don't know if they filmed it in, you know, Sun City or even if that's a real city. Is it? I don't know. I think uh, they Arizona. did. I'll check. Yeah. But it it really, truly looked like Palm Springs. And, like, when I got the taste of Palm Springs and, like, kind of seeing those model homes, just little bungalows, perfectly manicured yards. Some, some of them are gated communities. Some of them are just, you know, a, a normal neighborhood. I'm like, I get it. I get why people, like, I feel that switch of like this isn't so bad i wouldn't mind living in arizona i mean as long as it wasn't too trumpy i guess but like i guess that's why palm springs like you said is the draw like that's the movie that we should write that's that's mm-hmm. you know that's our matt damon and ben affleck moment there. right so let's right. get writing right yeah <laughs> like like talking about being i mean it's like you know there's there's book club and all these like you know old lady comedies where is the like new gay retirees moving to palm springs gay comedy you know what i mean yeah we need we need that starring stanley tucci in like 15 years exactly we'll get stanley his oscar we'll finally get stanley his oscar you know yeah yeah. to answer your question it indeed was filmed in sun city which does exist i love it but i thought it was palm springs yeah it does feel like palm springs like it's it's the same energy and it's interesting that you brought up Little Miss Sunshine, because that was in my notes. This does have I I did feel like it had a little bit of that Miss Little Miss Sunshine. I don't know uh, that sort of it, it it brings the drama, it brings a lot of humor, but maybe it's that sort of like whimsy that's kind of you know we're not going to get that. I don't know what the equivalent of, would be of like Olive's performance at the beauty pageant, you know. But mm. I, I do think it's shades of that. Even seeing like I love how this movie opens. Um, like with all those cheerleaders and the fact that we get to see all of this stuff like the the exercise classes of like you know Lenny lifting his arms up in the air and I'm like oh my god Mm -hmm. it's just it's sad but also like they don't need my pity they're just old folks and some of them are really into it I love and like seeing that side of it too it's just um I don't know. I don't know. There's so many thoughts going through my head and it's scary. And also I, no one knows what the future holds. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to be scared of something that has a not happened yet. And B we don't, we have some control of, I guess, like saving up for retirement, but like we won't stop working until we're like 97 anyway, because the world's going to shit. So hopefully, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with all this, but <laughs> to Sun yeah. City. I'll yeah. Just, I'll just stop. Sun yeah. City, here I come. Um, well, you know, I, I, uh, Little Miss Sunshine came out in 2006, and I kind of feel like all of these Ooh. have that like early 2000s indie yes. movie feeling, you know? Yes. Um, but I can't For really sure. put my finger on, but I feel like Garden State kind of lives in that world. Like it just, I don't know. I guess it also all reminds me of like, movies i saw like in college you know and so there's also like the lens of who i was but yeah i mean i think you know going what you mentioned about the opening of this movie and and we see yeah these and it all has that early 2000s it's like slightly slow-mo kind of twee music Mm -hmm. i was like god this is what movies felt like back then i don't know what it is but i know what this is and so we see the cheerleaders we see the the aqua aerobics it's all very bright and sunny and I think that that's kind of the ideal, like, 
oh, well, if I have to be in a retirement community, at least I'm doing, you know, aqua, you know, aerobics and I'm in the sun mm-hmm. and I've got a social calendar and whatnot. And there's old ladies cheerleading in the parking lot, whatever. But the reality is what we saw later, what you mentioned, where Lenny is in, uh, you know, some nondescript room sitting in some nondescript chair, just doing chair aerobics. And it's it's like, oh, my God. Like, this is it. This is your life. And I remember when when my grandparents went to like, you know, each of them had to, you know, before, you know, before the end, at some point, we're in like rehabilitation centers and um, and then ultimately in like nursing homes. And I remember looking at their like printed out like social calendars and, you know, the beanbag toss and trivia hour and, you know, let's listen to music from the 40s for 45 minutes. And it was just like, oh, my God. This is like I'm melting just looking at all of this. Yeah. But you know, on the on the upside, there was a TikTok, of course, because there's always a TikTok. There was there a TikTok is. I saw of like some retirement home. And I hope they just like I hope they're always just having this much fun. But they were basically doing like a version of beer pong, but it was like buckets on the floor and they were like tossing a beach ball and then whatever bucket it landed in there was like some kind of like gift at the bottom of the bucket and it might be like some little trinket or some little like socks you know like funny socks or like some little thing and they all seemed to be having the best time and i was like you know it's there's it's not all bad or all good you know yeah i think there's that pocket of time between like I don't know, 80 and 90, I guess, where like that you're still mobile enough to do it. Um, and and really kind of it's almost like you get in. You have to get in early. You have to kind of establish that because my grandma's worst fear is that my mom's going to put her in a home and my mom mm-hmm. and my dad are not going to do that, to my knowledge, unless something like unless it's just something where she just really declines and it's just too much because it is again so much to ask to take care of another human like even after when keon had COVID after day five i was like get your own tea (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking at this brochure sunny valley i think i might take you there (laughs) yeah shady pines here we come (laughs) i um it's a lot especially when there's there's more to just like you know getting them a glass of water it's like it's like all the physical things and like helping them in the shower and uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to that like awful place, you know, and it's, and sometimes it won't be that. And I, I think one of the things that I wish they would have added to this script and like, I guess it was funny in a way, but when my grandma Kachanov had dementia too, like there's so many funny moments amidst like the horror of all of this amidst like the frustration and just like the sadness of seeing a parent on the decline that they'll say really funny things. They're like kids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they'll say crazy shit. And like, I do think we get a little bit of that uh, with Lenny, but not as much as I, I I would want to see specifically Wendy, like laugh a little bit more at him. You know, I don't think she was capable of doing that. Maybe John did, but we didn't, we didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, because it is, you know, I remember the last time I visited with my grandmother when she was, you know, she was in the nursing home at that point. My grandfather, he passed in 2009, and then she passed in like 2019, maybe 2018, something like that. Like it was, you know, a while later, um, because the women in her family all just like linger into their 90s. So like, I already know my mother and I have another 30 years before we're even like... (laughs) 
going to navigate this window. Yeah, people were living longer these yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, I, I got a, I got a long run with her. Um, but I remember the last time I went to visit my grandmother, and it was like at that point you didn't know what you were going to get if she if she's going to even remember you or whatever. But she like totally knew who I was, and we had a great little conversation, and we like. We like joked, we like made jokes like similar to how we used to talk when, you know, when she was still herself and had mm-hmm. just like a really lovely final interaction. And it was just like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe like I think what this movie demonstrates when Lenny dies is that often it's you don't get that moment. You don't get that final like, oh, my God, dad's back or like what happens at the end of away from her when suddenly it's like she remembers him and Yep. Or you kind of get that final like con- conversation, or you 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 get all the feelings out. Like you never, when somebody dies, it is not all the all the loose ends are not tied up, you know. And and you know the happy ending. It's not necessarily like oh he died in misery. He just died. And and yeah, you know I think it in in this movie I think John was asleep and Wendy. I, it was just kind of like a nondescript moment, and I feel like this like last like conversation I had with my grandmother, I was like, God, this is like something out of a movie. Like nobody gets this. And like when we left, my, my mother was like, wow, that was like, I'm really surprised. Like she was very lucid. And I don't remember how much later after that, she, that may have been like the summer. And then she passed maybe in the winter or something like that. So it wasn't that much Mm -hmm. long after that she had passed. Um, But it was like, yeah, it was like what you were saying where it was like, it's not a linear thing. Like, you know, they don't decline and, you know, at a steady progression. Um, there's good days. There's bad days. There's days where they're saying really crazy shit. There's days where they're saying really funny stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's like the, you know, it's like that, that's the, the wheel of fortune of, of dealing with somebody with, you know, dementia or, or Alzheimer's or mental decline is like, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, and it yeah. could be good. It could be a great day, and that sometimes that's worse because it makes you hopeful for more good days. Yeah, i I want to talk about Philip Bosco as Lenny. Like, I just so many face journeys that he had, mm. and I feel like he does such a great job at playing someone with dementia. Like that blank stare that you get, and like you know, I feel like he was already kind of in a bad state to begin with. And we don't see too much of a, like a, a sharp decline, I guess, too. It's more of like a steady decline. But um, I, I just, he's such a goose at the same time, because we know him from so many other movies in the past, too. And I, I this is, for me, at least, with my frame of reference, I don't, I don't remember him, or I've never seen a movie where he's, he's, he's had this opportunity to kind of show this side and this range of his too. But like one of my favorite lines that I quote only to myself, and I hope to quote it many more times on this podcast is you bury me. (laughs) I don't know why that makes me laugh. Like it's still, even when he's yelling at them, I still laughed. Like when he's giving that, Oh my God, that uh, when he's being interviewed by Margo Martindale, Mm -hmm. Margo, just have to say that name. Um, When he's just like, She's like, where are you right now? He's like, put down East Coast, the way he says it. It's so sweet. And the way she kind of smiles. And when John and Wendy start to argue, he was just, he slams the table and is like, what does he say? Like, let her ask the goddamn questions or something. Yeah. Smash cut to them leaving. It is in itself, like, I'm sure it wasn't funny at the time, but I laughed 
Um, I, I don't know why it makes me laugh. Maybe I should question that because it's obviously like a, a, a little bit of a throwback to probably how he was as a father. Well, I think that like, I mean, I, I there are, I was gonna say, there's so many reasons why I think it's funny. And some of it I think is just because it's like, at a certain point, the, the human brain is pushed to such a limit of like, I can't process the fact that like, we're trying to pass a test to see if my father can get into this nursing home and I'm not sure he's going to pass. And like, it's, I think there's sometimes it's just the brain being like, what the fuck is going on right now? And I think yep. that scene with, with Margo as Roz, I mean, let's also say that, I mean, Ugh. and and just like one of those little roles that Margo would do and just mm -hmm. light up a room. But when she asks him, you know, do you know what season it is? And he says cold. And she kind of gives like a polite smile. And there's this pause of like, oh God, oh, he doesn't know. And then she's okay, but you know, what season is it? And and you're like, oh man, he, he's not going to get it. And he goes, well, winter, of course. And I think yeah. that that's also part of this is like the, oh, he does know. See, everything's fine. He knows it's winter. No big deal. And like, yeah. you just hang on to those little things. And I, I love that scene because it was so... I mean, especially like Wendy trying to to get him Whispering to guess Buffalo. Buffalo, and then he goes Boston, Massachusetts, Boston, Mass, Boston, Mass. You can't help it. <laughs> oh, it's like when you it's like when uh, you have a kid trying to get into like a preschool. You know, right. like you have to be on your best behavior, and you have to answer like, remember the shapes. Let's go over the triangle yep. and the square, and behave. And no just, outbursts. You know. Yes, exactly, and. But you get these little spurts of him, like, having these, I guess, almost lucid moments. And most of the time, it's him yelling at them. Like, when she finally comes back, I think it's after the red pillow thing. I can't remember when it was. But Wendy's like, so you can just fucking calm down about it. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like He's just, like, yelling at them. <laughs> That's another one of my favorite lines where he just laughs. Like, I don't know why, because it's, it's such a heartbreaking performance like watching him sort of decline too but i also got a lot of humor out of him too and like oh god i just i just love him so much in this i do too i think that you know one of the other connections and sort of already you mentioned this was but with little miss sunshine is like it does feel very similar to alan arkin's character and mm -hmm. um in a way that i could see alan arkin playing this character and i could almost oh, yeah. i could maybe see philip i don't know if i because you're right i've never really seen philip bosco play this kind of character we've talked about him a number of times he was like the uh he was orin trask in working girls he was the nice older guy and you know the head of the company in working girl and of course he was francesco and it takes or vincenzo excuse me and it takes two and he was the nice uncle in the first wives club Uncle carmine uncle yes. carmine he was like the father in my best friend's wedding oh that's right um and then he was in uh I feel like there was something else. The first wives club we talked about. Um, yeah. And then he was in the savages. Uh, he which was. We should talk he about was. sometime. But like, so even of all the times we've talked about him, he's always played that same guy and he's basically always been Vincenzo. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if I could see him playing like the dirty grandpa in little miss sunshine, but I could definitely see Alan Arkin in this role. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, yeah, what's interesting is, because I would say that going into this, I think I had a false idea that, like, Philip Bosco got an Oscar nomination for this, which unfortunately he did not. I but I also was expecting, oh, he would be more of, like, 
the lead character, but he is very, very much the the BSA of this movie. He's very much the supporting actor yeah. of this movie. Yeah, I'd agree I so much with that. I think that like he's just in it enough and I like that he's around during all of these scenes. And I think I'm I'm thinking of this now too. Like I guess maybe my answer or like my want for like a, an example of all the silly things that happen is like the perfect example is that uh, example of that is him is pants falling down on the plane. Oh yeah. Oh. And like I wish I wish they could have just laughed both of them. Mm-hmm. But I also know why they didn't. If that makes sense, like, cause that that stressed me out, and like watching that whole progression, like from him being wheeled down the aisle to like uh, John picking Wendy up at the airport, and it's so fucking cold and rainy, and like, did you bring the coat? Like, just all of that stuff. It's just, oh god. But I'm so so glad they showed that. Yeah, well, you know that the airplane scene. I was like, oh god, I know this is not going to go well. Back I just room. know it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and. And I thought that that moment where like she was walking him up the aisle to the bathroom and then he just like looks at her and they just like make eye contact. I was like, that's where, I mean, he has those, those sort of blank stares or those kind of like moments of, of freezing up a few times in this movie. And it's so, it's just like very profound. Cause it's like, Oh God, he's so, he's so helpless. And the only person he can rely on is his estranged daughter. I feel like if this were, a triple feature. I how would this feel compared to the father with Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, easily be that. Where again, it's just that feeling of like, oh, like we can certainly empathize with the Olivia Coleman or the Laura Linney in, in like the child taking care of their parent. But I think the other side of it is like the shame that someone has to feel, like, especially in that moment mm-hmm. where like here he is being like walked to the bathroom by his daughter in the middle of a crowded airplane and his pants fall down and here he is in his diaper. It's like, ugh. I I guess that would be something I would be curious about. And this wasn't the story the movie was telling, but like, what is the experience for the parent, you know, go yeah. having, you know, having to be taken care of by their kids. I know, especially for men too, because it's it, to see, you know, we've already kind of touched upon it too, to see someone who they were probably afraid of for most of their life and like obviously just kind of left in the dust to go back to that as adults. And like, yeah, to, to he's basically like this big baby walking down the aisle with this big oversized diaper on too. It's, oh man, it's a lot. But th- you get like these other moments where like, I love when he turns down the hearing aid when they're both mm. fighting in the car too, because like, he might not even know what they're arguing about. They're just loud. You know, they're just kind of, uh, <laughs> he just wants to drown them out for a bit. And I don't blame him for that either. He's also, I guess, I'm really glad in a way that there wasn't a scene where he was lucid enough to like apologize to them, whether mm-hmm. it's Wendy or John or both too. Like, I think the fact that they still never got that is more interesting to me than like having this big like moment where he like says like I'm sorry for everything even though it I I would have probably still liked that but the fact that we never got that it it adds to all this too because really like the bigger conflict is like the two of them trying to make this all work because like I was saying before too is that they they have these lives you know like and then you have to kind of fight over whose life is more like whose career is more important? Like who who has to be the one? Like who's the daughter that stays home and mm-hmm. helps out? But they're both kind of not available either too and arguing over that. It's it's messy. Well, and I think it's like, you know, 
the the movie is so much more about them as the adult children of somebody on in decline having to not only like not only step up to take care of their parent but also push through all of the baggage that this parent left them with because it's like they there's definitely ways in which they've got certain arrested development or commitment issues or intimacy issues. Like obviously like she's, you know, hooking up with this older married guy, Larry played by Peter Friedman, who I also thought was great in this movie. I Same. I thought he was character. really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen him in a few plays. Like he's, he, I think he does like a lot of New York theater and he's nice. just really, really good. And so I loved his character, but like, you know yeah it's like you're you're fucking your married neighbor who lives down downstairs like what are you doing and then you know john is in this relationship with this you know this polish woman katia where it's like oh her visa expired so i guess our relationship's over and like they just can't make that deeper connection or can't be open to a deeper more real connection and it's like well between the abuse of father and the abandoning mother, like, you know, take your pick of where this came from. That tracks. Yeah. yeah. And so to have to like push through all that and basically, I mean, talk about making a commitment, like they're making this commitment to their father and, and to this relationship and, and yeah, they're probably, and they don't, but they probably couldn't even expect that they'd, they'd ever get an apology. Um, but I also think the other part of this is it's like, they're, this experience is what changes them, not their relationship with their father. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like it's having to take care of him versus reconnecting with him. They never really connect with him. They just see to his needs. Yeah. And I love these little drops of, like, there's hints. Like, the script is really good because there are there are moments where you can... Like maybe it is actually a line in the script, like um, like John saying, like you still seeing that Mary guy? I thought you said you were gonna stop seeing that creep. Like mm -hmm. he knows enough about, like he knows who that guy is, but he doesn't know her well enough to know that she's still seeing him after all this time too. Or like saying, like I gained some weights, like that in itself means that they haven't probably seen each other in a while, um, which I think is smart writing all around too. I I just think that you know, deciding who's doing what, like the, the fact that like the woman has to stay with the dad while you know, the man goes to search for the, you know, he removes himself from it, but like someone has to do it. And obviously I would choose John to go do it too. But Wendy still can't really live with like the, the choices that John made for the father. And she's just trying to desperately pick up the pieces. Like she buys him like a Ganesh statue. And I love that line about the lava lamp. He's like, what does it do? And she's like, nothing, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, but he keeps it on and that's really sweet too. Like, and she'll never know that. Right. Right. That's kind of like when she finds the box of pictures and whatnot, it's like, Oh, yeah. he, in his own way, he, he knows we exist, you know, like he, he sees us. Um, yeah. You know, one of the other things that Wendy, of course, also does is briefly, and boy, I was very worried about this, uh, brings her cat Genghis to come be yes. the nursing home cat. Of course, they already have, I think his name was Wilson. We call him the mayor, as the nurse says. Winston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winston. And <laughs> but so, I love that idea. I think that should be like mandated in all nursing homes. Absolutely. In in the gay nursing home I end up in, it's just going to be like covered in animals. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm basically going to retire in a barn and uh, <laughs> yes. hope somebody Call brings me food. Yeah. Uh, but I was very worried that like 
something might happen to Genghis. I definitely checked, does the dog die? And it did tell me that uh, Larry's dog would not be put down in the end. So I was relieved that there was no mention of Genghis. Because earlier in the movie, when she was out of town for a while, I was like, who the fuck is checking on that cat? And then, thank God, you know, Larry, they they have that phone call. I'm here with Genghis. You know, she misses you. And I was like... But then when she asks if he was giving the cat her medication, I was like, oh, God, the cat's going to die. The cat's definitely not going to make this. And it didn't. Genghis survives to the very end. So not to worry, listeners. Yeah. The plant, however, did not die. And I was like, you know. (laughs) Or did die. Did die. The the plant I could deal with. But yeah. Uh, But anyway, yeah. That's, you know, I I thought that was interesting of like, here, this will keep you company. This will make you feel better. But I feel like it's we are very much seeing the ways in which, you know, I said, you know, before, like they're just seeing to his needs, but we're also seeing that like that's within their comfort level, but also like what we, I guess what to expect, like they don't have a relationship with this man. They've, he, they basically, he's like a a baby in a basket that's been left on their doorstep. Yeah. And that's why I feel that like first night when they leave him at the, the nursing home too, when, John's at the bottom of the stairs and it's such a beautiful moment. He's like, we're doing the right thing when taking care of the old man better than he ever did of us. Like it's, it's true. Like he is able to acclimate far more quickly than Wendy is like the, like when she's running around about the fucking red pillow and he's just like sitting in the chair, like doing his, doing his research. Like you have to be able to get into that frame of mind and know, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So you can't take the fact that he doesn't want the pillow personally. Like, it's it's not about the pillow, for her at least, too. There's so much other stuff going on. But that's why I love Wendy, because she is just a, this ball of anxiety and just, like, has no real direction in her life. She's a compulsive liar. She, st- <laughs> she stole all that Percocet, which I can't really blame her, to be I honest. Mean, like, why yeah. not? Yes. Like, please. Yeah, treat yourself. It's 2007, for God's sake. You're going to be in Buffalo all winter. Take the Percocet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, here, this was a, I, I don't know why I couldn't shake this, but the whole time I kept thinking, Laura Linney, incredible in this role. I think it was the hair, but I kept thinking, man, I could really see Julie Klausner in this role. Oh, yeah. I also thought of, like, Laurie Metcalf or something like that, mm, like, mm-hmm. that frantic energy. But, yeah, for sure. I mean, it'd be, uh, her you know. And Andrea Martin. Oh, my God. <laughs> as her mother. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a version of The Savages where it's it's Julie Klausner as Wendy and Billy Eichner as John and <laughs> Andrea yes. Martin as Lenora Savage. Yeah. And Cola Scola as the nurse. You know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Oh yeah. I I don't know what it was. I just kept seeing. I kept seeing our juvies. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I I think Wendy. I also like. You know, John's a, a, is certainly an interesting character. But I feel like Wendy. I guess when you know we we talked at the beginning of the episode of like you know becoming either a John or a Wendy. It's like let's be real. I'm a Wendy. I'm such yeah. a Wendy. And I I don't think I'm a compulsive liar. But I I know what she's navigating like i know that world of like i'm doing this corporate day job and i'm trying to be successful and be creative and i'm trying to you know and i'm uh, you know i'm i'm getting my needs met but i'm keeping intimacy at bay and i've got this cat and i'm like no this movie's getting real real for me you (laughs) know um 
Always a Wendy, never a John. Yeah. Always a Wendy. Always a Wendy. And uh, but you know, I think that toward you know, it certainly is you know, we talk about about Larry's dog. What was her name? Marley. Um, yeah, Marley. So you know, Larry's got this golden retriever, Marley, and she's getting older. And as we find out towards the end of the movie, like you know, uh, her hips are hurting. She it's hard to walk. You know, he has this very this great line delivery. He goes, you know, when he ta- tells her that he's going to put Marley down, he says she's old. You know, like people get yeah. old, animals get old, people die, you know, and uh, and we don't we don't like, you know, we kind of just see that cut of like, hey, can I ask you something? And I love because I, I guess what it is, is that she adopts Marley and like, yeah. you know, basically like sees the dog through its recovery. And I felt like that was so in proportion to the kind of transformation or growth that I think Wendy could have from this experience. You know, like it's not like she's like, yes, she's, she's getting her play produced. And I thought, boy, that's a pretty quick turnaround, but good for her. But like, it's not like she suddenly got like a man in her life or, I mean, yeah, she's doing aerobics in her living room still. And that to me feels like, Oh man, whenever I see somebody still doing aerobics in their living room, I think, Oh, you're sticking to it. This is good. You know, I admire it. I admire it. Her wins feel in proportion to who she is, you know? Yeah, that's true. I, I, Because you worry for her. You worry, like, will she ever get it produced? And she seems to come out on top. Like, everything that she lied about or was having trouble with, you see that small growth towards progress, I guess. Maybe not success, but progress towards becoming a better version of herself. Right, right. Like, I think it's, you know, and I, and I think, you know, also the evolution of their relationship. Like, I, I love that it never gets too mushy, but I think the way that he, like, gets choked up and is like, your play, it's really good. It's really good. It's like that, I think, is, it's like how they say I love you to each other. Like, that's a way of saying it is like, what you wrote is really good. Yeah, because they're both artists. They're both writers. They're both in the theater world. And... I think that's an interesting choice to have them both in like competition in a way with each other because it seems like Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, he teaches, he's writing that book about Brecht. Like it, it, it seems like he's the one who is more established, and that makes that argument about like where he says like your life's a lot more portable, and she's mm-hmm. like like a toilet, like a porta potty, <laughs> like a porta, like a toilet, like a porta potty. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. And him and that, like, when, that tennis scene is really funny, too, because it's so, like, not needed, but, like, he has to injure himself, and, like, she takes care of him. And I've never seen that contraption before. Keon told me that his grandfather used to use it, where it's it's even, it's so hard to describe. I don't even know what it's called, but it's, like, a, a bag of water that stretches your neck out and, like, balances out any sort of pulled muscle or something. I don't know. I mean, I have to ask, as an aficionado of hurting your back, do you feel like something like this might be useful? I think it's more so dependent, because, like, if you see where he hurts himself, it's in his shoulder. Right. I don't have, like, mid to upper back problems. Mine is all, like, the belt line and sort of, like, hips and stuff Mm. like that. So there's a possibility. It seems like it would feel good in a way, like, just kind of feeling that, like, stretch almost. Yeah. um, I don't think it could hurt. Uh, it almost feels like an inversion table right. uh, of sorts. Right. That's what I was thinking is like something like that where it just like changes where the pressure is. Yeah. It relieves it. Um, 
Yeah. yeah you know, I, uh, because I, 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 I don't, we talked about this scene before, but I don't want to forget about it, but you know, just veering back to Lenny for a second, I feel like mm-hmm. that scene in the car when they're yelling and he turns down his hearing aid, that to me was like where Philip Bosco won it. Cause he just had like, there was just like this great yeah. close up of his, of his face. And I feel like he had like very blue eyes. Like I remember yeah. very blue eyes and just like, it was almost like, you know, it's interesting. Did he know what they were saying? Like how lucid was he in that moment? And part of me thought like, oh, is he completely lucid? And is there like a moment? Like, I wonder if the turning down of the hearing aid is almost like, okay, I'm checking out. Because that's the last scene we see of him alive. And so oh, I wow. wonder if there's a sense of like, all right, um, it's it's time for me to go. Yeah, it's the one and only time in the movie that we don't see him like say, shut up or pipe down, you know, like stop Mm -hmm. yelling, like whether it makes any sense or not. Like, yeah, that's oh, gosh, I never thought of it that way as as us seeing him for the last time. But that argument is so great that they're having, too. It's so like sibling stuff, but also like like you said, competition or like I said, competition, like uh, her lying about the Guggenheim thing, which is just so bold to say oh that. yeah oh, god. yeah but i loved it one it's like and you know from the beginning you're like oh god she's lying about this and now there's just that the tension of the lie you know it's just like oh god and you're like you know it's all gonna come out you know he's gonna figure it out and it's you know it's and it's i think there's there's a whole other movie about wendy and john's relationship and and the yeah. way that they do they are very similar and the way that they do similar work and the rivalry and and I think by the end, the way that it doesn't have to be a competition, but it can be like supportive of one another. Like they could be collaboration instead of of competition, which is what they basically went through in taking care of their father. Yeah. Like when, when he, when she tells him that she did get the Guggenheim and he almost like cries a little bit out of like, I think it's such an interesting choice. Cause like, are you happy for her? Are you just sad for yourself? Like, I don't, I wonder what he's thinking of, but he says, you know what? Maybe you stick around for the holidays and we'll have our own little writing colony, you know, we'll work together and it'll be really nice. And like, she sort of wells up and then takes a big bite of that tuna melt. It's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I want oh. a tuna melt. I'm going to make one tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah. I am now cause you know, th- this wouldn't be the best sporting podcast if we did not talk about the food because I, I don't, I've never had a tuna melt, but I don't, like, can you, can you tell me what a tuna melt does? What, can you tell me what a tuna melt is? Yeah. Do you know her? Do you know yeah, her? Um, Ashley, use your okay. head. Yeah. Have you met her? That's, have you met that's her? <laughs> yeah. I imagine, because I have made them in the past, but I don't know if there's a mayo component. Like, if there, it's just basically tuna salad with, like, some cheddar cheese on top that you put like under the broiler for a few minutes i i feel like i would want that mayo because like just dry tuna from a can on top of a piece of bread with some cheddar isn't enough for me i need that like mayo i probably wouldn't put celery in it to be honest but some other sort of spice to kick it up because i feel like it would be really dry and then you just put it in the toaster oven and then go to town i've made a couple in my life but it's been a while and i think every time i've done the mayo whether that's correct or not i don't know i i I imagine it's very customizable i'm looking at some recipes that do include mayo and that do say that you drain the tuna mix it with with mayonnaise and apparently a few vegetables dijon mustard and parsley 
And there okay. you go. Bring I guess chopped up pickles. Yeah. yeah, you could do that. Sure. I see. I like I've had tuna out of a can. Like I don't I'll eat it. I don't crave it, but I'll I, I could get into like tuna out of a can um, maybe with like some crackers or something like that. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I could get together with that. I don't I don't really ever mix it with mayo. And I guess even though I've had like tuna steaks that were like on the grill or whatever, uh-huh. the idea of hot tuna fish feels wrong. Like it feels like a food that's not supposed to be hot. It's like <laughs> I see that. I can see like that. Yogurt. You don't put yogurt in the microwave. Yeah, that would be strange. But I'm trying to think because we made a or Keon made a dish like a Lebanese dish called Rizbit Fien, which is basically like rice and some chickpeas and some uh, some spices and stuff. But it's served. You're supposed to have it with yogurt on the side. But sometimes I put it on top and it does cool like it does warm it up a little bit. So it's not like boiling yogurt. But I can see what what you mean by that. But I and that's OK. I like it to an amount. That's, yeah. If you apply the yogurt to the food and then like obviously, a sauce. yeah oh yeah. no problem but if you are mixing up a tuna fish sa- salad situation and then heating it up i just feel yeah. like it's like i'm putting a caesar salad in the oven you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. what am i doing a wilted salad which yeah. does exist strangely enough yeah oh like yeah like a, a, a mm-hmm. charred romaine head or something like that uh you know i've had those a few times and i feel like i'm always like ooh, and then it's like Oh, like it just, it's, yeah, it's, it's like wilted. Floppy, yeah. 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 But oh. I, I love the choice of a tuna melt. I feel like Wendy's not a good cook. I, oh, I, like as maybe a, as that's a, just something. Yeah. As a it. script choice, like the tuna melt tells me so much about the scene. It's a great detail. Or maybe it's something that they had as kids. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's, it feels like a comfort thing and it's like, it's her distraction. I think he says something to her that triggers her. Oh, it's the about Larry. He's like, you still seeing that guy? She's like, you hungry? Let's have some mm-hmm. dinner. Right. Love it. You know, as we're talking about siblings, and you know, I, it makes me think, oh, all the sibling movies and sisters that we could be talking about. What I kept thinking about watching this, and I feel like if we're just going to make it a, you know, there's the father, there's, uh, you know, away from her, there's uh, the savages. This one, I don't think is very much contextually relevant but in terms of siblings have you ever seen the movie the skeleton twins i was just thinking of that movie because i think it popped up in the imdb of like you might like this Mm -hmm. as i was like looking up some stuff not a lot of trivia about this movie either which i was really hoping there would be but it's never the movies you want it for (laughs) yeah Um, right but no but i the only thing i know of that is bill Hader is great i i've seen the lip sync scene Right. And I and he plays a gay man like rather convincingly. So I I'm I'm into it. I've not seen it, though, to answer. your question. I think I saw it a long time ago. Um, It is from 2014. So I guess not terribly long ago. Um, But so this one is not about uh, dead parents. I guess apparently they both cheated death on the same on having both cheated death on the same day the strange twins reunite with the possibility of mending their relationship so i don't know what the parent mm-hmm. situation is but um but yeah i don't know i mean i it, it joanna gleason's in it uh, a six-billed joanna, joanna gleason who we love love that. so uh that's got to be worth something she plays a doctor um but i don't know i just kept thinking of that movie for some reason while i was watching this i kept thinking of julie klausner and then i kept thinking of the skeleton twins yeah, it feels like a sister movie of sorts. Yeah, because I feel like it's 
Bill Hader is the one who has like a complex. Of, I think he's like seeing a married guy or something played yeah. by the guy who plays Phil in Modern Family. That's right, Ty Burrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. So that's really all I know about it. And they're both kind of their lives are both kind of messy, but they kind of meet somewhere in the middle and he can't like grow up and she might be the more stable one, but I'm into it. I'm into that dynamic. So we should yeah. put it on the list. Put it on the list. We'll, we'll do like some kind of like siblings month where we just, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, we'll figure it. We'll figure that one out, folks. Stay tuned. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's also worth mentioning just while we're talking about like folks in this movie, like I'd hate to miss this because you are such a Peter Frechette head. <gasps> yes, it was on my list. I'm glad you brought it up. And I can't remember. So how do you know about him originally? Like what? How do you and Peter go back? Uh, he's just in Greece, too. That's uh, he plays one of the he plays like the for your country that scene right 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 but wasn't yes. he in something else that we saw before we did Greece too and oh. we were like oh I love him he's in Greece too ooh I don't remember well Let I'm gonna do a little up. I'm gonna do a little scanning I may, it might be Jag I feel like you may have seen him in an episode of Jag <laughs> that's probably what it was I no. thought that Greece too was my only. Maybe as I was talking about it and selling it to you, Maybe. I don't know. But I know he was like one of my number one guys in Greece. Yeah, and then we like, I remember, because I remember, oh, 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 he is also in the first Wives Club and he plays a Broadway director. Maybe that's where we first talked about him. Because I know that you Whoa. mentioned him and you were like, oh, funny, that actor, Peter Frechette, I know him from Greece too. Greece too. Uh, yeah, I was so, I mean, what a small part, too, as Wendy's boss just sort of, like, saying, like, how you doing, Wendy? Yeah. And just keeps walking, but glad to see him. But he was there, and you love he him. Was. So, huh? <gasps> oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. I thought I, of someone else. Please. I thought of someone else. Bert and Lizzie at the Oasis room <gasps> in that hotel. We have yes. to talk about it. I mean. And I, I think I paused the TV to like see the line out, uh, see that sign outside of the Daisy. Uh-huh. <laughs> wherever they were staying. That's who I want to be. That's yeah. who I, I, I need to make that happen. I Basically, folks, it's just, I guess when John and Wendy were, I guess, staying in Buffalo, where were they? Or maybe they were in Arizona, right? Still, This was while they were, st I guess they would have been in Arizona because this is the hotel they were staying in in Sun City. And it was a Best Western. Yes, and they had this elderly duo just kind of singing some some hits, and they had choreography, and they were just, it made me laugh so hard. It was so perfect. I mean, there is a whole other narrative is, you know, because it's like Bert and Lizzie obviously live in Sun City. They're retirees, I, and maybe they have a history of, of performing, and they've got some elbows they've rubbed with, with some minor celebrities back in the day, but like now... This is what they do. Oh, yeah, we we sing at the Best Western Lounge on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know. And, yep. you know, and and the other part of all of that is sometimes we look at that and it's just like, oh, my God, like, oh, how sad. But, like, what if they're fucking just living their lives, like, in loving it? They love that they get to just, for shits and giggles, go sing at a Best Western a few nights a week. And they have an audience. Yeah, they have their little groupies. It seemed so. I would be thrilled to see that. I would oh, be yeah. so excited. Like, get me, give me another drink. I'm staying. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just to see. Maybe Lizzie does a solo. You know. Oh yeah. 
and he tap dances during and he it tap or dances yeah and i just thought that was such a great nuance i loved that they included that a great script and a great movie yeah, yeah. Uh, this was so. This was written and directed by Tamara Jenkins, who also did the Slums of Beverly Hills, which I've never seen, but it's one of those movies that I've always been aware of, and hmm. I remember the the commercials for it when I was a kid, and just being like, "What is this movie?" So, uh, you know, one of these days, I think Alan Arkin's in that. Speaking of which, interesting. Yeah. So I feel like he plays like a very Dan Hedaya, like "Shag it in here" kind of character. Oh, nice. Yeah. Love that. We love that. Um, well, you know, I, 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 I'd never told anybody what this movie is about, and at this point, it's too late. It, it's about putting your parent in a nursing home. I think you guys have figured that out after an hour and minute and eleven minutes. That's what the Savages is about. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I just thought I, I, I do my due duty, you know, and That's right. uh, tell them what the movie's about. But uh, this was really—I mean, it—it's really kicking off for us. I mean this is kind of the perfect little window of like a, a gray fall winter movie, but this is really kicking off for us a very exciting, um, you know, holiday adjacent uh, month ahead of movies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I feel like we have some good things on the docket Yeah, and maybe a few suggestions uh, from you as well. I know I sent you a couple titles, but I, I think it'll be nice. I like them all that, you know, the, yeah. the, the kind of, I mean, we, we keep talking about companion pieces to the savages, but I feel like if you want another like grim, snowy gray day kind of movie, it would indeed be the movie Diane. And we may need to space yeah. out these depressing movies because the movie Diane does not have any of the laughs of the savages, but it does have Andrea Martin. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's worth something. But at some point, maybe when winter really starts to get us down, like in March of next year, we'll just lean in yeah. to Diane. When it should be spring, but it's still like 31 degrees. Yeah. The season, <laughs> Diane. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. The season, Diane. Yes. Put down Diane. <laughs> East Coast. The way that he says that is so sweet. It's oh, so I love great. So much. Oh. Well, this was fun. I'm so glad you brought this movie into our world. Uh, yes. I'm so glad we got to see some familiar faces like Debbie Monk and Margo Martindale. Yeah. And, you know, I we didn't say much about Jimmy, uh, the nurse played by, I'm going to butcher this name, but I, I think it's Gabenga Akinabe. Yeah, uh, that's, that's how pretty I would close. say it, yes. Uh, but I thought he was lovely. I thought he was just such a great energy and... Um, very, you know, featured supporting ensemble character, you know, maybe at the West. Yeah, you need that nurse. You need, uh, like, very much similar to away from her. You need a smoking a cigarette scene outside of the nursing home with it with a nurse that's been there to walk you through it. Oh, my fucking yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, my yep. God. That's exactly what it is. Jimmy is the is the smoking nurse. You yeah. Know, just what like there's Kristen or I don't know. Yeah, yeah there's Kirsty. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes me yeah. feel good. Just making that connection makes me feel good. And I guess in some ways, Margot Martindale would kind of be like Wendy Crewson in a way from her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mrs. Montpellier. Yeah. And I don't know who would be <laughs> taking their tea for a walk in this nursing home. I know. The woman with the red pillow. <laughs> I mean, the woman who stole the red pillow is oh, taking your tea for a walk. There's her. Yeah. But also the woman, I hope you, you clocked this, when they had the... Um, 
the support group meeting because it's such a funny moment when they eat the cookies. But I think you know where I'm going when the lady brings out elder care for dummies and the lady in the front row who laughs a little too loud. Oh, and and then she says, oh, now don't laugh. I love this series of books. Oh, right up my alley. I love so that I'm so glad you mentioned her before we got played off because I could feel the orchestra warming up. But the woman who plays the the head of that group, uh, her name is Nancy Lenahan. And she's like a character actress who's been in a bunch of stuff. Yes. Um, I've yes. seen her in, I, she was in an episode of The Golden Girls where she played a con artist dressed as a nun. But Whoa. I feel like we have probably, oh, she was in The Great Outdoors, which I feel like I would love, but I've never seen. Um, oh, I've seen it and it wasn't great. Oh. We watched it when we were in Virginia, but I was also not in the mood to watch a movie. Is that John uh, Candy and yes. um, Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, yep. you can skip it. You can That's skip the it. one. But there's where, some great ladies in there. There's some great ladies in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Annette. Yeah. Annette's in it. Yeah. And Nancy Lenahan. And isn't that the movie where he yes. eats the big steak? I uh, you know what? I I I remember watching the first 20 minutes and I was like, I'm gonna go to my room. So I didn't finish it. So right. but I Keon told me it didn't really pick up from there. So don't remember it. Sorry. All right. Well, <laughs> Keon, if you're listening, uh, my memory is that he has to eat a huge steak as like one of those like eat a. F- oh yes, he did. He and did. Win a he t-shirt. Did. You're right. And then he eats the whole thing, and then the waiter or the waitress is like, "You got to eat all the gristle too," and it's all the like yep. fat. Oh my god, that's that, really sick. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe that stuck with me. But that's the only thing I know about that movie. Um, I have been scrolling. Nancy Lenahan. She was in the movie Pleasantville, but I, I she played someone named Marge. Um. Okay. So that's something. She was in 12 episodes of Grace Under Fire. And Ooh. I got to tell you, I, I watched this, and I, I should save this for the after show. I'm going to save it for the after show. Uh, this will uh, okay. be, a, you know, a, it, it's not that important, but I'll just save it for the after show. Um, but other than that, I don't know when we would have talked about Nancy. She's been in fucking everything. I don't she know. She seems Jax. like one of those gals. Yep. Yeah. Um, but in any event, she's great in this that, you know, we haven't served refreshments yet. So yeah, I'm um, glad we remembered that. Yeah, yeah. Well, then I think orchestra. I think if you want to play us off, I think uh, I think that's fine. I think you. I think we're ready. I think we've said everything. Um, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kochanov. How about you? Well, you can find me on my other podcast, All Right Mary, where we are currently covering season five of Dragula. And on Patreon, we're doing we're wrapping up season five of Drag Race UK, and we're doing season four of Drag Canada's Drag Race. And I don't even know what planet I'm on anymore. But you can also find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore, and you can find more of both of us in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, keep your peepers in a nursing home because they will be well taken care of while they watch or listen to or look out for the best supporting after show, which is coming right around the corner. We have a lot to catch up on. We've taken a, took a week off last week from the after show, so we've got a lot to chat about. Uh, and if you want to hear everything we're going to talk about, the stuff we've been watching, doing, eating, and etc., and good early access to episodes just like this, all for $5 a month, it's all at patreon.com slash Pod. Cannot wait for this week's episode. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, folks, it's time for us to get a two pre-owned lease to editor cells named Ruth and Cheryl and get the hell out of Stepford. I need to take my ginkgo biloba and then I'll be ready. Yeah, it's for, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it's for memory. Memory, that's what it is. I couldn't, for, yeah. Anyway, that, as they say, <laughs> is that. <laughs> Maybe I know it is so. Now when Mosurah.